Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Nicely in our idea of what does it mean to be to begin those who receive. That we're receiving the abundance that God has for us, but we're also receiving people into a new environment. And as we are coming back from uh well no, we ain't coming back from it. We're still in the midst of a pandemic that makes us relate very differently than what we used to. Like in some cases we're more closed off than we normally are. We're more like standoffish. It's not like uh, uh, naturally that our personality is like that, but, you know, you, we're a little more worried about germs and a little more worried about contamination and that sort of thing. How do we move in this environment and still have an opening arms and, and expectation of what God is doing? So I'm going to start reading at Luke 3 and 15 through 22. And this is a summation of the end of John's ministry. So John the Baptist was a prophet who was preparing the way for Jesus. And he was in a mode of the Old Testament prophets, which means is he was an introvert, <laughs> to say the least. He stayed out in the wilderness. He wore a camel's coat. He had a, you know, a belt around him. He, he was similar to um, Isaiah and Ezekiel and a lot of the, the prophets who would be isolated as God spoke to them. And this all, also was John. And John had begun to baptize people in the name of God. And as such, he was known as like a rough kind of guy who was really serious about preparing the way for Jesus. And so this moment is... When Jesus is about to get baptized, it's the culmination of John's ministry in a lot of ways. And how John prepared to receive Jesus tells us a lot about how do we receive God in the place that we're in right now. So it says, now as the people were in expectation and all reason in their hearts about John, people wondering who he is, is he Elijah or who is he? Um, whether he was a Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fuego. His wintering fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this, above all, that he shut John up in prison. He shut him up in prison. You know, he like, he, he made him shut up in prison. It's interesting. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the, heavenly, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. 
the dove descends upon Jesus as John has begun to prepare the way. I love how John prepared the way for Jesus by remaining where he was. I am pretty sure that John didn't have the green grass syndrome. You know what the green grass syndrome is. It is wondering if that thing over there is really what you're supposed to be doing. It's wondering if the person or place or opportunity that is just adjacent to where you are is truly what God has for you. He was very rooted in his place where he was. And that's, he can become very substantial to those who are around him. Import, um, preparation is very important to our lives as believers. And I think it's something that we don't use very often. The number one way that we prepare is through prayer. That prayer prepares us for opportunities that we don't know what's going on. Now, we may be, not be able to see into the future, and it's dark, and we don't know what's coming, um, and our anxiety is high because of that. Prayer actually begins to not only lower our anxiety, then we can receive from God wisdom to what to do in that opportunity. That he gives us keys to where we're going. And this is the way the Holy Spirit works in us. That as we're filled by the Holy Spirit, he prepares us for opportunities that we didn't know what to do otherwise. You can call it Preparation H. You know what I'm saying? But it's Holy Spirit. At so much, so many times we're like anxious that we should be somewhere else and not rooted in the present which is a gift. And that's where we receive his presence. But John was so good at beginning to prepare the way for Jesus. And you think about all that he said in this passage. Indeed, I baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. The humility that it takes to make that statement. The humility to say that someone is coming after me. Oh, just wait till you get a load of him. That very often humility is really rooted in being able to understand your place in God's story. How do we understand our role that we're supposed to play? Moses could say, I'm the most humble man on earth. He understood the role that he was called to play in this, in this story. And even looking at scripture like this, it's very difficult to see myself in the midst of this story. I think for all of us, there can be a disconnect or dissonance between scripture and seeing ourselves there. We may see it as, oh, that was a word for someone else, but actually, we are John. We are preparing the world to encounter Jesus. And as we are talking about receiving Jesus and receiving his goodness and his abundance, I've mentioned before, and this will come up continually, these are the things that are necessary for us to be a receiving place for the Lord, is that we are healed, is that we are humbled, and that we are honoring. That we are people who are taking account at the beginning of the year 
where are we broken? What are the places that need to be healed? Because I can be very frustrated with where I am, and I'm not where God is taking me, but I always think, anybody ever heard that a term that sounds like it's in the Bible, but it's not? Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, you ever hear that term? You're like, I'm pretty sure that's not in the Bible. But I think a better way to say that is uh, stewardship is next to godliness. So taking care of something and being thankful for what you have is one of the best ways to show God that you are faithful. And he goes, oh man, I can, I can use that. So many times people are like, God, give me a bigger house, give me a bigger thing. And it's like, you really just want to take the same crap you got in a smaller house and move it to a bigger house? Or you want to move whatever broken parts that are inside of us into a more influential position? To where God maybe hasn't healed up some parts of me that need to be healed up, so I want to take them so I can hurt more people and cause more pain? God, because of his wisdom and because of his grace and his love, has a timing that goes really beyond what ours is. And I think that as we are healed people, as we are humble people, as we are honoring people, then God makes us a receiving place for his spirit and for his people. And so today I'll be talking a little more about us being a healed people. And I'll be going through these, through this series. It's going to be about eight weeks so we're going to talk about everything from the Holy Spirit to justice to our roles here in, in the city. Um, but this is the crux of where we're going. That we, at the end of this, that we would understand what our path looks like to be in a more healed people, a more humble people, and a, more, and a people who show honor to all people. And it's crazy that Jesus didn't come for some unnamed people. He came for exactly who John represented. He came for people just like John. After Jesus was baptized and then he went into, um, directly into ministry, no, after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness. He went into the wilderness where he was tempted by the enemy, and then he went after that directly into ministry in Galilee. The first thing he did was take a beeline directly to the synagogue, and he went and opened and read this scripture. And after he read this passage, he sat in the seat that is reserved for the Messiah, so they would know that this Scripture has been fulfilled. So we have all these prophets throughout scripture who would... Um, from Isaiah to Ezekiel to Elijah, who would have these glimpses of Jesus in the future. And so he was saying, I fulfilled this one, which is in Isaiah. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, when I read that, do you see yourself anywhere in that passage? Probably not. I, I mean, I don't think I do. I'm like, I'm not a prisoner. I mean, you know, 
I'm not broken hearted, really. I'm not, you know, I'm not poor. So he's coming, God, Jesus is coming to a lot of people. And I get to like tell them about this word that I'm not in. But actually, I'm directly in there. Because John was in there too. All this, all this applies to John. Being someone who is preparing the way for Jesus and reading this for centuries and expecting this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes to earth. And you know what? That didn't happen for John. I'm just talking about John and us seeing ourselves in Scripture. He didn't see any of that stuff happen. He was still poor in the wilderness. He was brokenhearted, and he was a prisoner while Jesus was on earth. Now imagine, your whole ministry is arrayed towards welcoming this Messiah to earth. Everything that's in you, you've been like grinding in the wilderness, welcoming Jesus in, and he comes, and none of this changes. And this is what he proclaims at the beginning of his ministry. Wow. I'm waiting for it. What's going to happen? That didn't happen. What happened to John? We'll get to that a little later. How do we hold on to the things that have not happened more highly than the things that have? How do we sit in our time with the Lord and remind him of everything that he, every way that he's disappointed us? That it takes deliberate practice for us to turn our heart towards the Lord. Why? Because we are the brokenhearted. We are. We're so disappointed right now. All the ways we thought God was going to come. He hasn't come that way. We thought we would turn on a dime. My expectation of knowing the Lord is that every single thing he's going to do is going to happen quickly, and it's going to be unequivocally done, and everything is going to be perfect. It doesn't work out that way. But I don't know what to do with my brokenheartedness. I don't know what to do with the disappointment of us seeming to go further away from the normalcy that we were expecting. Now the kids are out of school again, God. Like... Now rates are going back up, God. We are the brokenhearted. Jesus has come and he is here. But yet and still, our expectations are not being met of what it looks like. Why? Because we still don't understand what it means to receive Jesus. Even John didn't. If John didn't understand, how am I going to understand? His whole life is given to this one thing. And everything that's in there, the exact opposite is what happened to him. Jesus coming and being here did not, does not look like the way we thought it would look. And like I always say, the crux of the Christian life is what do I do with disappointment? 
How do I handle things not looking the way that I thought they were going to look? That we are that brokenhearted. Now this is in Luke 7. This is John's words, again, after he had led and opened the way for Jesus. And as it say that Herodias, because of his word, so... Um, John was a prophet, which is prophets are going to tell you what they think. They don't care. You know, you know a little kid has a prophetic anointing when they're like, uh, you don't look good in that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you need to take that off. My mom told me when I was a kid that I would be like, uh, I saw a lady wearing a tie. I'm like, women are not supposed to wear ties. You know, it's just like that prophetic anointing, you just, you just, you're just delivering the message. You're not like, you know... <laughs> really nice about it. <laughs> and with many other exhortations, he preached to the people, but Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added, above all, that he shut John up in prison. So John was preaching against the most powerful person who had married his brother's wife after he died. And John was after him. John was on him as if he didn't really care about dying or anything. But just that, that sense of rightness and righteousness that comes along with the prophetic mantle is what John was going through. So in Luke 7, and then the disciples of John reported to him while he was in prison all these things that Jesus was doing. And John said, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one? Or are we supposed to look for another? What? John said that? He led the way for Jesus, said that, saw the dove descend on him, said here's the Messiah coming, but his circumstances had changed, so what? He thought Jesus was different because his circumstances were different. He said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? What? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus must have been hurt at this. And at that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleaned, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John is the brokenhearted. Jesus was supposed to bind up the brokenhearted, not make it worse. But John, in this moment, standing in a place where it didn't look like what he expected, he forgot his role in receiving Jesus. Because of disappointment, he became a rejecter of Jesus. 
Jesus is like, blessed is he who is not offended that what I look like wasn't what you expected. That the way I come is not what you were anticipating. Well, what was John anticipating? Oh, that's in the scripture too. And he said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, his winnowing fan in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. He was looking for some apocalyptic type war stuff. Jesus on that white horse, riding through town, avenging all the Jewish captors from their Roman lords. That is not what happened. And as such, he said, oh, okay, maybe he's not really the Messiah. We live in a world now where deconstruction happens. We live in a world now where we don't even know who Jesus is anymore. Why? Because he would have protected us from all this, right? Like he would have worked everything out perfectly. John was beheaded in prison after Jesus used this verse to proclaim his coming. That he would bind up the brokenhearted and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, you're, you're our healer. How is COVID ravaging in the streets? People who love you, ministers of the gospel, are losing their lives. People whose families are being torn apart by this, or the opinion on this. How? That doesn't make any sense. This is the environment that we are called to receive Jesus in. But we have to be healed. We have to say, I'm disappointed, God. I'm brokenhearted. Can I bring that to him? Who can walk with me in the midst of everything that I've, that we've been through. That he's come to heal us, but in order to be a receiving place for his spirit and for his abundance, we have to confront our broken heart that Jesus is never going to shame us for. He's never going to reject us for it. He just wants us to come to him so he can heal it. How do we become his agents of healing, humility, and honor in this world without us ourselves being healed? But so disappointed we all are that we are back to the place that seemingly we started from. 
but Jesus. That he never said that he would protect us from pain, but he would walk with us through it. And I know, Jesus, if I was Superman or if I was God, I would just make all this stuff go away. So either we are, like, not embracing reality in the right way. There's no virus. I'm immune to this virus because I love Jesus. I'm not going to get sick. Either we're doing that or we're going the opposite way. And what does it do when we are dealing with brokenheartedness? It makes us very timid about who Jesus is. Because we're still trying to figure out if we know who he is. Because things used to be good and now they're bad. I don't know who Jesus is. That's John. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's like, behold, he comes riding on the cloud. Like that moment, okay, yeah, he knows that. Here's Jesus, you know. He's like coming up out of the water with his hair, you know, Nordic Jesus. With his blonde hair. I always talk about like even the dove, you know. The dove is always white. There are no white doves in that part of the world at all. Like no white doves exist in Palestine. But always it's a white dove descending from heaven. Like that moment, but we forget that moment when it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. And my prayer for us as a body here at Missy O'Day Humble Park, that our heart has been broken. That our heart has been broken since before we arrived here on the scene for a number of valid reasons. This is not here to tell you to get over it. This is here to tell that we have to confront it. We have to deal with it. We have to say, yes, I need your healing, Jesus. That as we are healed, hearts and healed hands, so also goes our hospitality, our ability to receive others and to receive his spirit. In John 16 and 5, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That the Holy Spirit is what heals our heart and our hands so that we can be receptive to others and receptive to his spirit. And although we exist in a world where we are more aware of the difficulty of life than the ease, trust that Jesus will take care of you.
Now, I know you're waiting on the answer of how you heal your broken heart, but I don't have that answer. <laughs> but I know who does. I can only give you one step, and one step is admitting your heart is broken. And he can't heal what we don't believe we see. And I am certain that God is taking us somewhere. Okay? It, it, you know, it may not seem like it sometimes when it's 50 degrees in here and it's like you're trying to slap it. Somebody's like, yeah, my fingers are numb right now. <laughs> that he's taking us somewhere to be bold about our faith, including the disappointment. Now, I, you know, I'm an optimist. I can always make something good out of it. It's like my fingers fell off because they're so cold. He still got one. I mean, come on. <laughs> like I can make a good situation out of a bad situation. Um, but I know that this, as we are becoming a healed people, that we will begin to walk into all that God... This is the work. The work is not to, like, market well into, you know what I'm saying, um, market well and or get shinier, bigger things, or whatever it may be. It is for us to do the interior work that allows us to receive other people into our hearts. In a time where we, are, we have closed off our hearts for a number of reasons as we become more isolated. We go, nope, no more room. No more, no more room. No more room. You know, because we can go back in a lockdown any time. So why should I risk my heart again? It's already been broken. Why should I put myself out there again? And then I think about all the ways that Jesus' heart has been broken as well. And still responding with love. Still responding like when John asked him that, I'm sure that broke his heart. Hearing from his disciples' betrayal, I'm sure that broke his heart. But yet, in his life, and in his love, and in his legacy, we have a template for responding even when our heart doesn't want to. You guys want to stand up? Father, I thank you that we are the brokenhearted. That we don't have to pretend that we haven't been disappointed so much. That we don't have to pretend that things have not looked the way we thought they would look. And even as I turn down the dial just, just slightly, just like a quarter of an inch on my optimism, <laughs> so we can see things truly as they are, we know you are the healer. 
We know you have called us to be your healing hands for your people in this neighborhood and in this city. And although things don't look the way that we thought they would look, we know, we expect that you are going to come in abundance. That as we steward what you have given us, our own hearts, that you will pour in more of your spirit and more of your grace. That you do give grace to the humble and you resist the proud that in our pride sometimes we can't even say that we've been broken hearted but as we say that father we know that we are receiving from you so that we will give to others I thank you for this day I bless everyone here I bless everyone not here. I bless those who are um, in their homes feeling lonely and feeling depressed and feeling far from you, God, that you would, by your wooing spirit, bring them back to your heart. That you would begin to set them on fire again. That it is never too late for any of us, God, you would teach us how to bind up those broken hearts. And you would teach us how to minister in our own way to those around us who don't see you anywhere, who are dealing with the disappointment of a pandemic that we believe you should just take away with the snap of your fingers. But I thank you that you have placed us here with the gift that is community and the gift that is your spirit. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hot butter. Thanks, everybody, for coming to church. If you would need prayer for anything, please come on up.